dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I remain your host, the Whiskey Wizard, Jason Johnson Yellen. I'm joined, and it is always a pleasure to be joined, with the whiskey cherub himself, Joshua Morrissey Hatton. Welcome as always, Joshua. Thank you, as always, for having me on, on, on this or secondary podcast, the one where we focus on nothing but whiskey. I love it. Love it. Oh, I, like the way you, I like the way you looked at me there. I was, I was waiting to get to the end of that introduction for you to say, why did you say this particular thing? And I, I was trying to think in my mind what it was I was saying that was running this off the rails. In Extra Extra, <laughs> we, we bring a new story to the attention of the other. We read it in the first half and then we riff on it in the second half. Mm-hmm. We're going to do things slightly different this week. It's it's April. There's not a lot in the, the whiskey breaking news world. And I'm going to do a little hearkening back to something we did in the last season, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I got the feeling that you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I have to assume our listeners enjoyed it. We, we didn't see a massive drop off in listener numbers after we did it. So I'm going to take that as a positive. Huh. Okay. The uh, last time we the last the last time we did it, however, it was based on facts, and this time it's based on opinions. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's based on fan fiction. Oh gosh, this in a sense is fan fiction. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited, and and, and <laughs> I'm also excited that I have no idea what you're about to read. This is the other beautiful thing about our about this podcast is we typically don't clue one another into what we're about to read. Well, here's the good news. I haven't read it either. So <laughs> we, are, we are experiencing it at the same time huh. uh, as, a, as are our readers. Now, listen, I saw this maybe maybe 10 or so days ago. It's from Uprox, U-P-R-O-X-X. X-X, yeah. It's from the life section of Uprox. Okay. The author, uh, really, the name caught my eye, Zach Johnston. Oh, yeah. With with or without the E? Without the E. Okay. However, yeah, yeah. the Johnstons with and without the E yep. trace back to the same Scottish family in the southwest of Scotland. So you're so, related. So, so we do remain. This is a cousin. He is. He is. Yep. A cousin by any other means. And so, so Zach wrote an article entitled The Best Bottles of Scotch Whiskey Between 150 and $200. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, like and and he hasn't he hasn't given them a top 10. It's not the charts. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the last time you and I dabbled in this, we did the top 10 brands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those were based on sale numbers. Correct. And they compared the previous year's results with the, the current year's results. This, of course, is is just an opinion piece. But what is attractive to me here, and you and I actually had this conversation not too long ago. When I first started my whiskey society in the Palouse, the inland northwest, in the very early days, we we reached a point where we had an $80 bottle of Highland Park 18-year-old. And... At that moment, I was trying to show the group that we could buy 
Balvenie Doublewood for $35 a bottle. We could buy Yamazaki 12-year-old for $35 a bottle. We could buy Lefroy 10 cask strength for $40, $45 a bottle. Yep. So, so an $80 Highland Park 12 was really something aspirational. But what I tried to communicate to the group was, by the time you've spent that $80 on that Highland Park 12, you can spend more money than that on a whiskey, but you won't necessarily get a return on your investment. Yeah. You'll just simply be spending more money. It won't necessarily be better. Mm-hmm. So our friend slash cousin, Zach Johnston here, <laughs> has a has an opening sentence that I thought was quite interesting. And, and as we go through here, I'm not going to read every part of his breakdown of the release, but I definitely want to riff with you a little bit on the release selected. Okay. So... So we'll give Zach his due here. I'll, I'll give you his opening paragraph to set the scene through Zach. If you're spending around $200 for an expensive bottle of Scotch whiskey, you pretty much know you're getting the good stuff. That being said... <laughs> hold on. Hold <laughs> already Jesse. got you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go on. Go on. In- interject. Interject. Oh, I, I, I don't want to interject. I just want to to sit with those words. It's kind of like putting putting salt into to this ulcer wound. Like th- those words hurt me, Jason. They they hurt me a little bit. Well, let's let's give Zach a chance to fight his own corner then. Okay. Because he then he then says that being said. Ah, so there he, you go. There's the butt. Right? There's the butt. Yep. Right? That being said, a $200 bottle of smoky peat-driven scotch is not going to taste anything like a fruity, honeyed, sweeter scotch. They're very different beasts, True. and you could pay a lot just to end up with something you really didn't want. That's where we come in to help you navigate those nuances. That's Zach Johnston. Okay, I, I do have to say one thing. What I find so upsetting about that opening salvo is what Zach is trying to tell everybody is the only way you know you will get a good whiskey is if you're paying a lot of money for it. And if you're paying less than 200 dollars, there's a good chance it just may not be good. And that is so incredibly far from the truth. I have so much more to say about that, but please continue. <laughs> well, you're really going to love the next paragraph. Oh, shit. <laughs> but before we get kicking, it's worth mentioning that there's absolutely no point in comparing the prices of these bottles with bourbon. It's a very different class of whiskey with a vastly different cost structure, mm-hmm. thanks to factors that we don't have control over. Trade wars, state taxes, retailer markups. Sure, you can get a whole case of very solid bourbon for the same price as one of these bottles, but that's pretty much besides the point. Uh, uh, you can go on. Just please go on. Just please continue. <laughs> the 10 bottles below are scotch whiskies we think are worth the price tag. Our litmus is simple. They have to taste good and offer something special. Mm-hmm. All of these do that. If any of our featured expressions pique your interest, click on the price to give them a try yourself. Mm. So here's what I want to say before we get into this. And, and you and I, we will take a break somewhere around the 15-minute mark of this podcast. <laughs> but this is a break from the normal. We're actually going to riff as we go through this. Mm. To come back to the story I was mentioning previously, 
that time of us talking about the $80 Highland Park 18-year-old was around 2005, 2006. Mm -hmm. Here we sit in 2021. And when I first saw Zach's article here, his use of 150 to 200 put me in mind of my former use of 80 to 100. So I, I think it's a fair point to say in the, the intervening 15 years, we've seen a doubling of that, that kind of price structure for, you know, yeah, buy your bottles up to 150, up to 200. But know that as you spend money beyond that, mm -hmm. you're not necessarily getting better whiskey. You're just spending more money for that whiskey, which is probably older or it's a, an allocated bourbon, or it's an allocated Japanese whiskey. But now we're talking about allocations. We're not necessarily talking about what specifically is in the bottle. Sure. And I think that was maybe the point Zach was trying to make in saying bourbon's a horse of another colour, right? This is scotch. This is the scotch category. This is where we're spending and how we're spending money in the scotch category. Yeah, I, you know, again, if, if we're allowed to riff here before you go into your list. Yeah, please do. Yeah, go it, for it. An issue that I have, and, and I agree with him, right? You, you can't really compare the bourbon category with the scotch whiskey category when it comes to dollars equaling value or value, value equaling money spent. And I will say that Typically speaking, and this is a broad brush statement, but when you think of Scotch whiskeys with bigger age statements, you're going to pay more. With bourbon, you have far fewer age statements. But you, typically speaking, most bourbons aren't in the 200-ish dollar range, or at least they're not meant to be, right? That's not... <laughs> not meant to right? be, uh, I think is a smart way to say that. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, you can have a Wild Turkey 101, which is currently drinking better than it has been for for a few years, and that's a $25 bottle, right? And Oh, yeah, there are definitely bargains to be found in bourbon. Yeah. But let's go back into single malt yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So, so to reiterate, this is not a top 10 list. This is just 10 bottles. So if I was to tell you that the opening bottle is a Macallan, which Macallan would you think it was? I would think that it's the 18-year-old. That's what I would have thought too. Mm. And it's not. Zach offers up the Macallan Double Cask 15-year-old, which, and again, when you talk about average prices in the United States, mm. boy, oh boy, is that a... Oh, <laughs> you could see, you know, different coasts, yep. central, yep. northern, central, mid, you know... But average price, $150 here uh, on this 43 percenter. And so the whiskey, the Macallan dropped this expression last summer. The double cask in this case is a sherry seasoned American oak cask and a sherry seasoned European oak cask. I don't like the way Zach talks about that as if it's just simply two casks have been brought together, which reminds me of when Balvenie went to their single barrel. Yeah. It was really just a single style. It wasn't actually a single cask of whiskey. Um, and so the double cask is two styles of whiskey 
being brought together in a very large batch. So both casks mature. So both styles of casks uh, are matured for 15 long years before they're married. And that batch is brought down to a very drinkable 86 proof. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeez oh, Louise. He started it off at 43%. Anyway, continue, Jason, please. That's, that's how he describes the whiskey. For He then goes on, it gives us tasting notes. If you're interested, definitely go look it up. Up Rocks, Zach Johnston, um, go and have a read of those for yourselves. But he says, the bottom line, there's a definite nod to bourbon at play on the nose. The sip is all sweet scotch that then circles back to that bourbon note. In the end, this really feels like it'd make a great cocktail mixer. Price point be damned, but also works wonders on the rocks. Okay, second whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, uh, there was a period uh, of time in my life where I would say to people, if you put that whiskey in a cocktail... It, that's blasphemy. If you put rocks into your whiskey, that is also blasphemy. The fact of the matter is you could do whatever the hell you want to do with your whiskey. And if you have money to burn, if you can spend $150 and comfortably put that into a cocktail, beautiful. Do it. I mean, in my opinion, cocktails are only made better with better ingredients. And if that's a delicious whiskey that you're comfortable putting in a cocktail, go ahead and do that. If it's a hot summer day and you want to chill your whiskey, go ahead and do that. It just seems strange to be talking, leading the article with these, you know, whew, you want a good whiskey you got to spend at least 200 bucks foie 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 and oh by the way let's throw some ice into it you know it's just it's an unusual juxtaposition yeah the only thing i say to people is there's a difference between a tasting and a drinking yes and yes, yes, yes absolutely drink in the way that makes you happy if you put it in a day reward yourself however you see fit mm-hmm. But if you want to sit down and taste what's happening in this instance, in that whiskey, issue the mixer, issue the ice, just focus. And especially at 43%, it's already been brought down to a very easy drinking strength. Explore that. But that's the only thing I say to people. And absolutely, if you want to spend your money, you want to make a cocktail from it, go fucking bananas. I will not stand in your way. Okay, Joshua, moving on. Entry number two. Mm. If I was to tell you the Balveni as a second entry, which Balveni do you think we would choose? Well, my guess is he's he may stay with the lower ABV and go with the 17-year-old Doublewood. Am I correct? Very good. Very good. This is why you're both dear friend and business partner. <laughs> well done. So the Balveni Doublewood 17-year-old, average price $155, 43% ABV here. The description from Zach, the Balveni continually hits it out of the park with their lineup. This expression spends 17 long years maturing in old American oak, before its transfer to old sherry casks 
for about a year of maturation. The results are then proofed with that soft Speyside water and bottled in the brand's iconic stubby bottle. Again, tasting notes, and then onto the bottom line. This is a crazy easy sipper, as with most of the Balvenies roster. Add in an ice cube and really take your time letting this bloom in your nose and on your tongue. It's the sort of bottle that feels like a celebration dram that we wish could be our everyday mm. dram. And I think that's a point where I agree with Zach. The Balveni has always felt like a celebration dram. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what it is about it. Is it the spices? Is it the Terry's chocolate orange? Is it always connecting us to celebratory flavours yeah. in our lives? Yeah, it's one of those whiskies that despite it normally being bottled between 40 and 43% alcohol, it's always wonderful. And just to give you an idea, I remember when the, the peated cask came out and they released a 43% and then they released, I think it was like 48.7% for duty free. And I got both. And the 43% is the better whiskey of the two. Hmm. It just drinks much nicer at that lower ABV. Uh, it, yeah, I find their whiskeys to be something you you pour at special occasions. Uh, but but he, and here's the one thing that I will say about his selection. I, I don't necessarily agree with that entry. I would put forth that the brightness of the 12-year-old, there's a lighter, brighter, fruitier quality of the 12-year-old double cask that I think is more inviting than the 17-year-old. But then it misses out on this list on price point. Right, but this this list is a list of opinions, and I'm just offering up mine. That's all. But but this is also but this also speaks to what I said to my crew around the Highland Park 18 was yeah, there are flavors you could get at that time in the Highland Park 18 that were wonderful. But there were also things we were getting in those other bottles that I mentioned, the Lafroy Cast Strength, the mm -hmm. um, the Balvenie yeah. Doublewood, which I even mentioned earlier in the podcast, right? You don't have to go to these price points to get good whiskey. Yeah. This is what you and I have made a career of saying, mm -hmm. right? But if you are going to spend that money, maybe on someone's birthday or anniversary or you know, just some special occasion for some reason, here's where you're worth spending your money. So as I agree with you. I, I would definitely drink the 12 over the 17. There's no doubt about it. Then the last thing that I will add is the Belveni 15-year-old. Even though they switched to sherry, which is still a good, is still a good whiskey, I think the 15-year-old sherry would, which would be at a similar-ish price point, might be uh, a more a more satisfying whiskey. Well, and... And I will throw in the caveat again that I haven't read Beyond the Third Whiskey, so he may actually return to some of these brands. I have no <laughs> okay. idea. If you were to bring in an Abelauer in this price point, Oof. what would you bring in? Oof. And I know exactly what both of us are going to say in response to this entry. Well, I, we're going back to price point, right? And yep. so... Yes, we are. <laughs> huh. Do you know which Abelauer is between $150 and $200? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I do. I mean, there's, there's the. 
is the 18 still a product? Well done, sir. Okay. Well okay. done. Okay. I'm not sure I would have come up with Abelard 18 uh, in this moment. Abelard 18, 40% alcohol. Yeah. 4-0. Listen. Average. Go on. No, no. You, you, you finish and then I'll throw in my comment. Average price of $168. The description from Zach. This is where things get interesting. Hmm. The expression from Space Eyes Abelar also uses Old Bourbon for its primary maturation and X Sherry for its finishing maturation for basically the same amount of time as the bottle above. So approximately one year, he says, mm. just like the Balvenie. Mm-hmm. It's proofed down with soft Space Eyes water to the same ABV. Same ABV as what? It's 3% lighter than the one above it. And that's where the similarities end. This expression truly stands on its own as a classic whiskey. Okay, no idea what classic whiskey means in the world of Zach Johnston. Bottom line. Oh, Josh, I swear to all things holy, I did not get this far (laughs) in the article. But if I had, I would definitely have still chosen it. Bottom line. This is shockingly smooth. Making it almost too easy to drink, even neat. This is the sort of advanced bottle that you bust out at a tasting to really grab the room's attention. It's becoming obvious to me that, that Zach is writing this article for, for those who are looking to get into whiskey and for those that are maybe looking to entertain friends and, and have those sort of prestigious bottles. Doesn't necessarily make them a better whiskey, but there is a prestige about them, right? There's a prestige about having a Macallan on your on your shelf. There's a prestige about having a 17-year-old Belvenny and ooh, now 18-year-old Aberlauer. Like I get all of that. But <laughs> you know what? I'll I'll just I'll I'll leave it there. It's it, well, here, let, yeah, let's yeah, throw this at yeah, it then. Ahead, let's throw ahead, this at ahead. it. <laughs> Please, thank you. you Save and me. I, Save me, Jason. <laughs> you and I, the people that we drink with, the, the people that we are in, in our drinking life, and actually I think you raise a very good point here about intended audience. Yeah. And I don't think the listeners of a fucking stupid podcast like ours devoted to the Whiskey News are really learning anything new about, you know, Abelar 18 no. and its price point and no. Balvenie 17. For you and I, this point would be the Abelar Abuna, right? The cask strength, heavily sherried, batch release. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, that's another one with a, with a roving average price where can you still find it for... 105 can you is, is it 115 in some places used to be around 85 90 but used to be 65 yeah i mean it, i didn't want to go too far into the distant past <laughs> it, it's it's gone up and it's triple digits and the price point is going to vary but again back to the point of if if the intent of the author is to put forth crowd-pleasing whiskeys that are also uh, making a point about status or just, you know, trying to impress uh, impress people coming to your house, right? I get that. I see why the 18-year-old would be put on there. I want, I want to say what I was going to bring up before. 
in December of 2019, I was with our beloved Jess and, of course, Swede Scott and a bunch of other people on Isla celebrating Jess and Swede Scott's 30th birthday. And, and of course, I was on Isla on my actual birthday, December 6th. And, and so there was a bunch of bottles that were brought, and one of them was an Aberlour 10-year-old, but it was some limited, you know, bottled for so-and-so at, th- at this corporation, and this is bottled for so-and-so at this corporation. It was like some corporate gifting scheme that they were doing to, you know, that they were allowing you to do. Anyway, it was a 10-year-old at 40% alcohol, and she showed it to me, and, and she me, everybody else, we all kind of groaned at the 40%. And then we opened it and we poured it and it was absolutely delicious. Like it wasn't, mi- it wasn't missing anything. And, and if it was missing anything, it's, we weren't missing those potential things, right? It was drinking lovely at 40% alcohol. So while I always prefer 46% and above and pre- preferably cask strength, there are some wonderful whiskeys at 40 and 43% alcohol that should not be ignored. So with both 46% and Isla mentioned, mm-hmm. if you were to pick an Ardbeg for this list, what would you do? Oh, shit. An Ardbeg on that list, between 150 and 200, it's got to be a special edition of some sort. Because Correct. because the twenty somethings are above that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are by a lot. So when was this article was written? Ten ish days ago. Yeah, early April. April. Yep, opening of April. Okay. Would it would it be the Ardbeg or black? The the God, all these <laughs> repeating letters. <laughs> yeah, the 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 Ardbeg, the pirate. Okay, um, I. I thought that's what it might be, given the given the article, but it's not. It's actually the black, mm. which I picked up for 120 bucks in Virginia, um, and this article has the average price as 168. So I don't know if this is coming from auction site pricing or mm. what, but I suddenly got mine for 120. This limited release from Isla's Ardbeg was created to celebrate 20 years of the Ardbeg Committee, or quote unquote black sheep fans of the brand. Mm. The Juice is a no-age statement release that utilised Pinot Noir barrels from New Zealand in the maturation process. The public release was then cut with local water. <laughs> local water. Uh, are they bottling in our bag? He said that about the first three releases, and, and I've been biting my tongue. I know, I couldn't bite my tongue on this one. The, the, it, he also, yeah, the public release was then cut with local water to very approachable 92 proof uh, and bottled, which is what this one in the article is. Bottom line, if you love peaty smoke and fruit, this might be your jam. I see what he did with jam there. I appreciate it for what it is, but you really have to be dialed into the subtlety of where Pete can go. Like from mossy to jammy to ashen in one sip to really get into this. Still, this does feel very much geared towards enticing sweet Scotch fans towards the smoky side of things. Hmm. Well, I think it's a perfectly lovely little whiskey by itself. And I think both you and I agree it's one of those ones that does better after you had a few drams out of it, right? It needs that. Yeah, revisiting it. 
It has definitely been growing on me. The Pinot Noir has more of a, a presence mm. as it has oxidized. Um, whiskey number five is our first step into Diageo. Can I say one quick thing? Go on. has to be quick, though. Like I said before, uh, you know, this Zach had mentioned with the previous whiskeys that the whiskey has been diluted by local water, local space-side water or local water to Ardbeg. And the fact of the matter is none of that is true. The whiskey is being sent in a tanker at full strength to a bottling hall that's likely somewhere in the lowlands, potentially somewhere in the highlands, and is being diluted down by that local water. It's not from their water source. I, Kilhoman is the one distillery I know of, maybe Springbank as well, is they're gonna dilute water, you know, dilute their whiskey with local water. But typically speaking, these comments that are, that he's making, um, I just I just hope people don't believe it. It's, it's, it's he's a bit ill informed on that point. Brooklady have to be doing it as well. Aren't yeah, they? good point. Yep, because they're, they're bottling yep, on site. They're bottling on site. Yep. So we so we stepped into the world of Diageo with I'm, honestly, you could probably spend a long time. Getting, I'll give you one guess just to see if you hit it out of the park on guess number one. This is an unfair question. I acknowledge that. Throw a Diageo between $150 and $200 at me. There's 29 distilleries. Uh, okay. Come on. Okay. So let me, let me, I imagine it's going to be part of the classic malts portfolio. That's good. Okay. Good start. Okay. Very okay. good. Okay. Also, think about Zach's profile here. We're starting to know Black wasn't really in his wheelhouse, but he saw what it was doing. The Abelowers are seem more, the Balvenie at 17, mm-hmm. the Macallan double cask, those seem more in his wheelhouse. So are we talking an annual special edition? We are not. not. We're talking an off-the-shelf standard. An off-the-shelf. Is Talisker part of the classic malts? It is, yeah. It is not Talisker. It is not Talisker. Um, no, this is much more in the wheelhouse that Zach has demonstrated in the first three. I want to say then uh, Delwini 25. Mm, that's not a bad guess. It's not right. Oban. Oban 18. There you yep. go. Oban 18, 18, 43%, $175 average price. Oban is a tiny distillery that makes some of the world's best whiskey. This expression starts off like all Oban by going through their small lantern-shaped stills twice before the juice is filled into used oak for a long 18-year maturation. The best barrels are vatted and proofed down to a very sippable 86 proof. Bottom line, this is the perfect dram for anyone who's not so sure about smoky whiskey. It's fruit and sweet savoury candy forward with the smoke adding to those notes and not the other way around. Add an ice cube and take your time enjoying this one. You might find a slight salted white fish note with a hint of bitter orange and licorice under all that smoky and savoury candy. I have nothing to say that will counter any of those words. I love that he gets the bitter orange note. Oban makes beautiful whiskey, and I and I can't argue with anything he said. It's so interesting, though, to see, and again, it speaks to our proclivities, but the thought of talking about 
open as an introduction to smoke. No, that's not an introduction to smoke. Especially, right? especially the 18-year-old. With the 14-year-old, it's so incredibly delicate. It's as if the bottle stood 100 feet from a very small fire down the road with the wind going away from the bottle. <laughs> right? It uh, would- <laughs> spot on. Spot on. Yep. Absolutely spot on. Yeah. So we, we waited a while for our first Diageo. Here's another Diageo, right. which is part of a special release. Oh, interesting. The annual special release? No. Hmm. <laughs> a special release. Can you give me any hints? Bit of a TV tie-in with this one. Oh, right. The good old Nick Offerman? No, that's too too mm. inexpensive. Yep. TV... Oh, is it part of the... Oh, is it the Game of Thrones? It's one of the Game of Thrones ones, isn't it? Okay. It's, which... Yeah. Gosh, you can pick those up for a song just about anywhere. And this this is a 15-year-old mm-hmm. coming in at $179, but 46% alcohol. Which one is it? Martlach. Huh. All right. Yeah. This Game of Th- <laughs> This Game of Thrones release from Dufftown's Mortluck finished off a nine bottle series released from various Diageo distilleries around Scotland. This expression flips the script a bit, with aging by primarily maturing the juice for fifteen years in ex sherry casks before sending that whiskey into ex bourbon casks for the finishing maturation. Bottom line, while the label is certainly a gimmick or at the very least a tie-in ploy. The juice in this bottle is a stellar example of what Mortlock can do. It's a great gift bottle that also works as a conversation starter at a whiskey tasting, which I think echoes beautifully what you'd said earlier about who this list is intended for. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, now we've got something special that I think we can all agree upon. All right. We've got our friends north of Abelauer. What's north of Averlauer? I'm trying to, I'm, I'm going up the A95 and I'm just trying to go through the towns here. Is it Glen Grant? Now you've gone too far. Okay. In this, in this small town, you might find yourself a Highlander. Ah, Craggenmore. Craigellicky. Now you've gone. Now you've gone south. Craigellicky. Craigellicky. Jesus Christ. First, first time. I, I wanted to say Craigellicky, but Cragmore came out of my mouth. So there you go. By yeah, the powers right. of editing. You have my attention. First time. Yeah. Right. Craigellicky, seventeen-year-old, forty-six percent, averaging around one hundred and seventy-nine dollars. Craigellicky is the other main whiskey that helps make doers. Uh, the other main base spirit being Aberfeldy. This expression is made with old school stills and stored in old school warehouses. The juice is aged in ex-bourbon casks for 17 long years and vatted to highlight the uniqueness of the brand. <laughs> what? I... I've I've got I've got exhaustion. <laughs> I'm I'm exhausted by Zach now. 
Bottom line, if you like snacking on dried smoked fruit, think apricots, cherries, plums, pineapple, Mm -hmm. this is going to feel really familiar and comforting. This bottle feels like the perfect bridge between smoke and sweet scotch while giving a balanced nod to each. Firstly, I don't know what old school stills or old school warehouses mean. They have Forsyth stills just like all the other distilleries that have been in discussion here. I'm guessing he's talking about the worm tubs. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's it. Oh, I I like, you know what? You gave him a bit of an out. I think he might need it. But I do like that, right? It's it's warm tough. And I wonder if old school warehouses are Dunnage warehouses. Yep. Right. Which and here here's the thing. I'm I'm trying purposely not to say too much about and I Zach's be. writing and in I this. Shouldn't be saying right? as much as I am. But I think if your point, which again is a good one, if you are looking to interest people and and in you know, bring them into the category, and this is the price point at which they might be looking to get into the category. Using terms like old school stills and old school warehouses is not helpful, right? That that's not bringing anybody in successfully. So, generally speaking, I'm okay with the list and even how he's presenting the bottles. Mm. But there's some turns of phrase that I don't think are helpful. Well, yes, and and I agree with his tasting notes there. I think the Krigeliki 17 has been lovely. And in the tasting notes that he's mentioned so far in the other whiskeys, I, I will agree with him. So it's obvious he's got a palate, and he's got a good palate. There, there's no doubt about that. But I do wish, and it gets back to something you and I said in a very recent episode, a recent Extra Extra where we were talking about mescal right and and chatham uh imports buying the mescal producer and how the scotch whiskey industry has spent decades educating people it's it's verbiage like this that he's using that i think you know does a bit of backpedaling on some of the education that the industry has done. And I just, I'm not saying he's being lazy about it. He's got a style and I'm totally fine with that. I don't care. But I think just a little bit of specificity here and there w- would help and it wouldn't hurt the overall article. That's all. Correct. Yeah. No, I, I don't think we disagree on this one. Uh, we move on to an older little grenade style bottle. All right. So we're talking the Glenrothes. We are indeed. Glenrothes, 18-year-old. Okay. So that's right, because a while ago they got rid not got rid of, but they moved away from the vintage statements. Mm. And I personally have really enjoyed the new age-stated Glenrothes, and they're, I think they've got a distiller's cut, which has been really nice. So which, which one is this? This is the 18-year-old? It is. Okay. 18, coming in at 43%, average price of 185. Mm-hmm. This Speyside single malt takes its time. The expression is aged in sherry only, both first fill and refill sherry cast from Spain. The barrels are then vatted to highlight that sherry-slash-whiskey vibe. And the juice is proofed down to a very drinkable 86. Bottom line, this is just an interesting sip all around. It's a palate expander and will keep you going back for more on the nose and in the taste. Mm-hmm. A little water brings out a bit more of the savoury and spicy notes. 
which Zach finds incredibly interesting. I will say one thing and only one thing. I don't normally agree with this person, but he, he made a statement one time in a podcast that he tried starting many years ago. Jim Murray was talking mm-hmm. about uh, a whiskey at 40 or 43% alcohol, and he made a point about not adding water to whiskeys that are that low. Because let's say you have a 40% alcohol whiskey. As soon as you add water to that, it's no longer a whiskey. Technically, it's no longer a whiskey. And and you've already reached, you know, you've hit the bottom floor as to what can technically be called a whiskey. And I've always kind of held on to that statement. Really? Yeah. But then you talk to blenders who are taking it down to 20% to draw further nuance out of the spirit. That's different, though. They're taking it down to 20% specifically for blending purposes and not for drinking purposes. But if you buy a whiskey and you put it in a cocktail, you're taking it below 40%. But then it's still not a whiskey anymore. Now it's part of a cocktail. This seems like a strange use of retroactive labeling. I'm not following. But anyway, moving on to the last couple here. (laughs) Aberfeldy. Age 20 years, exceptional cask. Yeah. A fine selection on that one. Uh, 43%, $190 average price. <laughs> this whiskey is all about the finish. And I wonder if he means palate or maturation. Hmm. The Aberfeldy juice was aged for 20 long years in ex-sherry casks. Then that whiskey was transferred to Sautern wine casks. Ooh. Uh, a dry dessert wine from Bordeaux for a final maturation. Finally, the whiskey is cut down with that iconic, gold-imbued, pitley-burn river water to 86 proof. No, it's not. Aberfeldy bottling on site? No, that's not happening. Bottom line, this feels like the perfect post-meal sipper. Get it in a proper Glencairn. Let it bloom with a rock or a few drops of water. Then really let this one settle in your senses. Yeah, I, I haven't had... Have you had that bottling? I haven't. I haven't. I, I'm sure it's sure it's delicious. I, I haven't had too many Aberfeldies, I, modern Aberfeldies, that I haven't enjoyed. I think it's just a solid distillery making... Lovely whiskey that could be both approachable and sometimes challenging, but usually approachable. Yep, nope, yep. spot on. Okay, there's a there's a a distillery we haven't mentioned that you normally see in these types of lists. Can you think of the distillery that hasn't been mentioned? Okay, so we mentioned McAllen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Dalmore. No, but I can see why you would yeah, say right. that. Uh huh. My guess is it's Glenfiddich. I knew you would get there. There we go. There we go. And then given, and again, this is a thing you and I always do with people, and I've done it through this article. It's the Grand Crew cast, right? Given what we've learned about Zach's palate in here. Yep. Which bottle do you think? That isn't the Grand Cru cask. <laughs> I would say it's the Glenlivet 21-year-old. Mm. Hmm. 
Um, do you remember the title of the 21-year-old? Oh, is it Elegance or something? Essence? Grand... Grand Theft Auto. Reserva. Ah, Grand Reserva, which is... Oh, that's the rum-finished Glenfiddich. Exactly. So Zach says, This expression from Glenfiddich is the mountaintop of rum cask finished scotch. Well, okay. The juice is aged for 21 years in ex-bourbon barrels before it's transferred to hand-selected Caribbean rum casks for a final touch of aging. Around four additional months. Hmm. Once ready, the whiskey is cut all the way down to 80 proof for bottling. This is as complex as any bourbon with 100 plus proof without carrying the sting of those whiskies. It's almost baffling this has as much definable depth at only 80 proof. It's crazily smooth and will bring rum, bourbon, and scotch drinkers together around one bottle. 40% ABV, average $196 price tag. Herein endeth the list. So what do you have to say about that last one? I, I, I don't know if I've tasted the most recent version of it, but... I think they made a move. It used to be a slightly higher ABV, and they moved it down to 40%. I Yeah, I think it used to be 43, and now it's at 40. And to me, the move downwards flattened it out slightly, mm. and I think there was a noticeable difference when it went down to 40. But, yeah, it's got the sweetness going on. You've got that, that interest from the rum. I think Zach's spot on where... You could bring bourbon, rum, whiskey drinkers together over one bottle. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. Well, that was, that was fun. I like these types of lists that really are just opinion-based, right? If somebody comes to me mm-hmm. and says, look, I've got a budget. I'd like to get a friend a gift. My first question is, what do they like to eat? What do they like to drink? Are you sure that needs to be your budget? Do you want to save a few dollars along the way? Yeah. Right? And then you start to break it down. And I love making recommendations to people to, you know, help them get the right gift for someone. I also love the fact that this is Zach's list of 10. Our list of 10 would look different. different. We might have some overlap. There might be the Kregeliki in there. Mm -hmm. There might be the Aberfeldy in there. There might be... Might be the Open. A... Yeah. Right. There might be an Aber, uh, There might be a Balvenie, if not that one. There might be an Oban, if not that one. Mm. So, yeah, there's definitely ways to play around with a list like that. But if the goal of of this podcast is for you and I have a, to have a chance to riff the way we do, to have conversations the way we do, and to share them with our listeners. These are the types of conversations we have. Yeah. Where we're like, what do you think of that inclusion? What do you think of that? What would you have recommended in place of that? So these are always fun to me. And and like I said in the intro with the with the one we did last year about the blends, no one wrote in to complain about us doing this. No one was worried <laughs> that it wasn't a hard-hitting whiskey news breaking story. Yeah. It's just a chance for us to have a little bit of fun together. And we've run long as we tend to do when we chit-chat with one another. But 
I've had fun. I hope you've had fun, and I hope our listeners have had fun. I've had a ton of fun, and I want to close my statements with this because I think there there were times when it may have seemed I was taking shots at Zach, and I didn't mean to. I... While I think he could have tightened up some of the, the the fact points in the article, you're right, this is 100% an opinion article. And I will say, given the tasting notes that he's peppered in here and there, it's obvious he has a palate. It's obvious he knows what he likes and he's able to communicate those tasting notes to people. And you don't often see that. And I, I liked seeing that. Yep. Tons of fun. Thanks to Zach. Thanks to Uproxx. Go looking for it if you want to read it for yourself. I'm sure we'll put the link on the, probably the, we have the extra, extra Facebook page, right? We do. I've got to make more use of it, but we do. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's the internet. You'll find it if you really want to. That is true. Until next time, Joshua, I have been Jason. Cheers, dear listeners. We'll catch you on the flippity flop. And I've been Joshua. Cheers, everyone. Oh,